Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in RPG interviews, your RPG treasure trove. I am your host and king of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and joining us this evening, ladies and gentlemen, it is his first time doing a show like this, talking about RPGs specifically. Um, You guys know him from his work with Planet X Games, from his work with Jim Wampler, who we had on last week. Uh, he is the master of robots, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ed Bickford. Ed, welcome to Rolling Bones. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is our pleasure. I, I've seen and admired so much of your work, and, you know, one thing I'll say about all of the art that you do, it's very, it's very evocative, it very much gets the imagination going uh, as soon as you see it. Uh, so it, it'll be cool to talk with you a little bit about this, especially since, you know, as we already said, this is the first time you've been able to, you know, come on something like this and discuss the RPG side of things. Yep. Cool. Well, and we're going to kick things off with uh, a couple questions that everyone usually gets asked. Now, these questions are very heavily tailored to uh, people who play a lot of RPGs, do a lot of that stuff, and as you told me before we did this, uh, you have not played RPGs in a long, long time, so... <laughs> Why don't we start with kind of that, that first exposure to RPGs? You know, what what is your level of exposure to the, the hobby besides working in it now? I think... Uh... There was a kid down the road that was a DM, and he I played with him a little bit, and I liked playing him so much that I actually went out and bought the old, the red box set, the old where you, you know you only had like you could only be a dwarf, an elf, a thief, and a fighter. I think it was, mm-hmm. and uh, I did that, and then um, I didn't really play that much more in high school, but when I got in the Air Force, I, we had a group I played with a lot. We played every Sunday. And we played that quite a bit. And uh, I think when we got, I got out of the Air Force and they had, I can't remember what the name of the program was, but it was like a chat program. And you could hit, they had buttons you could hit and it would actually roll the dice for the DM, to, for everyone to see what the numbers were in the chat room. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't remember if it was a voice room or if it was just chat, but I played that and I was the DM. For a few times in that and it was pretty fun and that was the last time a lot of times i mean just between life and kids and and uh do making art i didn't get to, i haven't played that much lately gotcha 
So it was just a matter of, you know, separation from the hobby because of other things, not right. a particular incident that made you throw your PHP on the ground and go, that's it, I'm done. Oh, no, no, no. Loved playing uh, D&D. It was <laughs> quite fun. <laughs> gotcha. Have uh, any of the people that you've worked with, you know, you obviously you've, you've worked with Levi Combs, Jim Wampler, a bunch of great people like that. H- have any of them tried to get you involved in any games that they were running or anything like that? Uh, no, I mean, I think Levi wants me to show up because uh, uh, he wants to show up to North Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going to go to have an art table to sell art, but I think Levi wants me to show up to play games. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be at that show too. So uh, if, if you are there... Uh, whether you have an art table or whether you uh, are, are there to play some games, uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to see you there. Oh yeah, I'm open. I'm, I'm I'm supposed to get my first COVID shot here Wednesday, so I think once you get my both my shots and stuff, I'll feel much better about going. But uh, we'll see what's going to happen. Um, I got some other stuff I got to take care of before I can go. You know, yeah, like just absolutely. work. Absolutely. So. The uh, the other question that I wanted to ask you that, you know, everyone gets asked on the show. Uh, unfortunately, this is one of the more difficult questions that people get asked. Uh, it's uh, flummoxed a couple people in the past. And I'll tell you, Ed, the answer to this can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. So if you could put anything on a T-shirt, what would it be? <laughs> a T-shirt? Um... How about, uh, I'd rather be a smartass than a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> Absolutely. And if only we could find some way to, like, incorporate some robots into that. Just. just oh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, actually, I, I, mine aren't clean. I have some robot, I have some metal robot shirts I had printed out, but they're, I'm not good at doing laundry, so they're all in the dirty clothes. <laughs> gotcha. So, and again, this, this may end up being kind of a big question, because, you know, when it comes to stuff like this uh, that, that people dedicate a lot of time to, it's often a big question, but, you know, we have to ask, how did you uh, get into making art? And then how did you find yourself in a position where it could be a, a sort of professional gig for you? Um, I've been drawing since I can remember. I remember when I was a little kid, I drew a whole bunch of pictures of uh, elves loading Santa Claus's sleigh and... I don't know how many sheets of paper I used and drew all these pictures and I left them for Santa Claus and I were getting my Christmas. I wasn't worried about the, the Christmas presents. I was, I want, and they, they were, they, the, my pictures were still there. And I was so upset that Santa Claus <laughs> didn't take the art I made him home with him. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I drew all the way through, I drew all the way through, Middle school and junior high and high school, all through all my classes, I drew all the time. So I've been drawing since I can remember all the time. And uh, professionally, I mean, I've made some stuff. I, I did some stuff for comics, and it really didn't really. And I did I did thirteen years of comics. I did a I did 
I was in the military for 10, then I worked for five, another five years after that. And I didn't get to go to use my GI Bill and go to art school until I was 33. Hmm. <clears throat> and then um, my current, my wife, I, my ex-wife left and then I, I you know, milled around and stuff. And then when I met my current wife, I was still working. And then we figured out that, you know, we worked it out so I could go to art school finally. So I went to art school from like when I was 33 to 37 and I got out and uh, tried to find jobs and I just couldn't find any art jobs and stuff. And I really wanted to draw comics for a while, you know, but uh, I did 13 years of comics and it just kind of, I don't know, I don't know what didn't take or my style or my, the things I liked were, you know, are not spandex and superhero-y. And then uh, I was at a Comic-Con one year at uh, Wichita and um, there was this guy walking around with a suit and a tie. It looked like he just got done coming from a banquet or something, right? And he was walking around talking to people and he had, you know, stringy, long, blonde hair and he was in a suit and he was talking. I saw him and he came up to me and I was the only one that gave him the time of day and he gave me his card. It was Casey Christopherson from Frog God <laughs> Games. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one out of all the other comic book artists and stuff. I'm the only one that actually, you know, took him serious and talked to him. And so uh, about like two or three months later, it wasn't he that contacted me. It was Levi Combs because Casey, Casey gave him my name. And so ever since then, I've been working with Levi. And when I did all that stuff for Levi, everyone's, you know, they like that work. So then next, thing you know, uh, Jim and uh, Skeeter Green and... Uh, and I, I feel bad if I forgot anyone else right now at the time. I, I just been, it just, it's just, it started avalanche, you know, or tidal wave. It's just getting more and more, and it's, uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Now, how many years ago was that? It, it, it wasn't too terribly long ago, was it? What? Uh, Casey approaching you at the convention. No, I want to say, I want to say it was maybe, maybe 2019 in like November. Gotcha. 19 or 18 i can't remember it was it was before covid mm-hmm. <laughs> it might have been 18 because i think in 19 i saw casey again at that same con and he had his wife and his kids with his wife and kids with him mm-hmm. so it was probably 18 i think you did you do any work for occurrence at howling crater um yes okay. yes i did Gotcha. So it was probably 2018, because right when I first encountered Levi, uh, it was in 2019, and uh, Occurrence, I think, had just come out, or the Kickstarter was wrapping up at that point. So, Yeah, I did... Uh, I can't remember the names of the... Pe- I think... Uh, oh, I did... Yeah, I did, I did art for that one. I think that was the first one I did. Levi's going to be mad. I can't remember anything. <laughs> I asked him one day about something about, he's like, dude, he's like the Kickstarter. We just ended the Kickstarter. You don't remember, you don't remember doing art for that book. <laughs> it's all right. If, if I need to, I can, I've got most of his stuff over on my shelf, which is out of frame, unfortunately, but I can, if we need, if we need to reference it, I can go grab it. So. Yeah, I think I've I've been in a, a lot of Casey stuff. I mean, uh, Levi stuff, and I think I've been in all three. I want to say all three of Scientific Barbarian now for Jim, mm-hmm. and I can't remember Skeeter's book, the Crypto Codex. I yep. think it is yep. Crypto Codex. Yeah, I got some stuff in there, and then 
I hope nothing is escaping me. I think I have some stuff in the Swords and Wizardry box set. Gotcha. I think. I think so. I can't remember. I, I did stuff for Necromancer and for Frog God before before COVID hit. So. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, one thing that we talked about off air. Uh, just as we've kind of gotten to know each other a little bit before, uh, you know, doing this, uh, I, when I looked at your work for the first time, I saw a very distinct style. And when I kind of mentioned that to you, or you might have even been the one who brought it up, uh, it, th- this style, this kind of old, old-fashioned sci-fi style that I immediately picked up on you say you kind of fell into. Uh, it was not an intentional choice. So tell us a little bit about how that came about, how you, I guess, ended up boxed into that category or something. Uh, like, what what was the intention, and how did the intention turn into what it is now? Well, uh, there was a year I <clears throat> I was running behind on stuff and I was going to go to Planet Comic Con here, which is in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest Comic Con in the Kansas City area. And uh, time was, you know, it was crunch time. I didn't have anything, and I had been drawing the the robot pictures for uh, my lunch for my lunch art. And one of my buddies, he goes, "Why don't you just?" He goes, "You don't have time to make you know write and do all the comic." He goes, "Why don't you just make a, a art book with just robots in it with all your robot pictures?" So I was like, well, that's a good idea. So I started, I started making uh, the robots and I posted uh, one of the finished pieces on, um, on Facebook. And one of my friends that used to live here in the area, uh, he moved away and he, he, uh, he, I guess he took it and he, uh, he uh, photoshopped one of the old, like one of the old uh, sci-fi magazine titles on top of it. And once I saw that I couldn't unsee it. And I just ran with it. I mean, I was already, I didn't realize I was already drawing that kind of retro looking stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, just doing my thing, just enjoying making art. And so I did that. And then the first book, I, I the, my first book, I, it was called, uh, I called it Robot Pulp. And I was, my, I didn't know what I was going to run with that. I was just going to make it art. It had, just had pictures of the art in it, which were like faux, like fake, like old sci-fi magazine covers. And then I also put process pictures in it to show the process, you know, like, you know, step-by-step or just certain process. And I, and I didn't have time to do all the graphic design. So I had, I paid a friend of mine, she was a graphic designer and I had heard all the graphic design for it. And then, uh, and then it went over pretty well. And then, so I made, I made prints to go along with the book and then I made a second book and then, uh, I think I had her do, I think that one I tried to put comics in it. And then my buddy, Aaron Walther, who's a writer, put a a prose story in it. So we tried to make it kind of like a more like a real magazine or whatnot. And, uh, and she did the graphic design for that. And then I forget what happened. Something happened. And then I think I went off and I did, I did a, I did a, a graphic novel that we, we got syndicated on go comics and once we finished with that, I went back in and started making more robot pictures. And then this time I wanted to do the graphic design myself because I felt like it still didn't have that, didn't look old enough. So I went, I am, I'm on Pinterest and I have a ton of uh, stuff on, you've ever been to Pinterest? Yep. 
And uh, so I have a, quite a few boards on Pinterest, and they just have tons and tons and tons of old pulp and old sci-fi book covers and novel covers and magazine covers. And so I kind of look at that, and I was like, well, you know, I can understand now why it didn't look – it looked cool, and it looked sort of old, but it didn't really look old enough just because I wasn't using the same colors or the same fonts because, you know, we didn't have all – we didn't have all those the fonts we have now back then, so I started making my fonts more simpler and look like the time, and I used um, and I think the color kinds of works out good because I mean most of the colors I use are the colors that they used back then anyway, and so I just went from there and uh, I'm en I'm enjoying it. I like making it look like you know something you would find in 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 a you know in a flea market on a on a book cover or you know a novel or something. And then uh, I guess also I never realized it, but some people have been uh, saying that my uh, my comic book stuff looks like Kirby's artwork, and I, <laughs> I've never really considered that because I just I just make this stuff. I don't really think of who I'm trying, you know, of another artist or whatnot. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, obviously, you know, drawing robots just in your your spare time uh, is that kind of a big influence for you? Did you kind of grow up loving? fiction involving robots and, and loving kind of that old pulp stuff or uh, like how did that kind of enter your imagination, I guess? Um, well, I try to, I looked, I try to look back and there's a few things that I look back and I really liked um, John Berkey was a, a sci-fi illustrator. And I remember I carried his book around from the book, the, from the, from the library at school for a while. And I, I didn't even know the guy's name until just recently. Cause I'm like, I was like, who, I was like, Oh, I reckon I remember that book. I really don't remember any of the artist names and stuff I was into as a kid, but um, uh, oh, what was it? I just lost my train of thought. What was it? What was the question again? <laughs> uh, kind of how you, what was it that made you oh. kind of drawing robots? How did that enter your your imagination? That kind of stuff. Well, um, I have a huge maintenance background. I did 10 years in the air force and all in maintenance. And then also when I got out, I fixed copiers and I did, you know, and I also worked at Chuck E. Cheese and fixed all their games and rides and stuff. So I have a huge maintenance background. So I always thought it's like, you know, they always tell writers, write what you know. So I'm like, why can't, why not as an artist, why don't I draw what I know? And what I know is, you know, hoses and tubes and clamps and circuit boards and just all the mechanical stuff. And I like drawing the human figure and I, I like, uh, I like drawing robots. They're just so much fun. I mean, just the, just the pareidolia of a metal, you know, thing to make it look human and work as a human and think about all the hoses and clamps and, and just all the cool details that go into it. Mm -hmm. Eventually one of these days I'd like to get, uh, I love rat rods and I want to get some uh, hot rod pulp going on as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, you mentioned kind of the, the mechanical background and, and loving drawing machinery because it's what what you're familiar with. So I have to ask, uh, since this artist was also known for his machinery and the detail that he would put into stuff like that, were you ever really drawn to the art of Herb Trimpey? I recognize the name, but I just don't, I don't, I can't put a picture to his, his artwork. So he uh, he's a Marvel artist, uh, kind of a journeyman, but he was most famous for the Hulk and then uh, later more famous for being the first artist on G.I. Joe. Oh, wow. Okay. 
I had a, I was a big GI Joe fan when it first came out on the, in the eighties and I collected a, I had a lot, a lot of their books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he and Larry Hama basically made GI Joe. Oh, cool. Um, no, I, around that time I was really into Frazetta and Boris Vallejo. Gotcha. They were like my gods. And I, mm-hmm. I read, uh, I really didn't read that much, um, that many comics I read mostly, mostly I read was the Chris Claremont X-Men because it was awesome. Anything with Wolverine in it. Cause I loved Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And then I read like a lot of uh, heavy metal and Epic magazine and Savage Sword of Conan, just, you know, adult titles mm-hmm. and, uh, and a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, I loved Mobius and uh, a lot of the European uh, illustrators and artists more than the American stuff. Gotcha. So even like back when you were still just consuming comics rather than creating them, you were drawn away from kind of the, the superhero genre. Yeah, I just, I don't know. They, they, they just couldn't, the X-Men were just so good. Chris Claremont's X-Men were just so good. Mm-hmm. And I know I tried to get into Alpha Flight and all the other little superhero groups and I just couldn't, they just didn't have the same thing that the X-Men had, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, Frazetta and Vallejo, I definitely have a lot of lot of love for. Uh, I, I'm a huge Conan fan, so a lot of that artwork, a lot of those Savage Sword of Conan uh, magazines and stuff like that, I, I really love all that stuff too. King uh, Conan, I even collected King Conan as well. Hmm. Yeah. And and here is where I will once again uh, to the as the audience sighs saying, we've already heard this, I will slip in that I'm related to Robert E. Howard. Awesome. Yeah. Yep, it is It is something that I'm very proud of, despite the fact that he's like a fifth cousin or something like that. It, so... UBU, man. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you... Uh, you know, you, you've told us a little bit about, you know, kind of the transition from making comics into, you know, making art for RPGs. So kind of the, the next question related to that, uh, from, from your perspective uh, so far, what's kind of been the creative process for, uh, you know, producing art for RPGs? What h- How do you collaborate with, uh, with Levi and Skeeter and Jim and, and all those people, what, what does that look like for you? Well, uh, usually they give me a list of, uh, of, uh, either like a detailed list of like characters or creatures or monsters or uh, in a, or in a setting. And, um, each, each client's kind of different. Like, uh, like Skeeter just gave me a list and it's like, just do, just do whatever, man, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then Jim, uh, when I'm working with Jim, I found out it was a lot easier to have him just draw like a, you know, a little card, exactly just the, the, um, the scenario and the, the composition he wants. And then I just do my thing. And then Levi's kind of in between. And it just, uh, I aim to please and whatever, whatever they want, you know, it's always, and it's always cooler to, you know, you collaborate and you make something that they, they envisioned and you create something that looks totally awesome and cool and a lot of times you get to exceed their expectations of what it's going to look like or if they envisioned mm-hmm. yeah absolutely it's it's interesting that you mentioned the the process that jim kind of has uh you know knowing 
that he's an artist as well. He's he's done some illustration, um, even done his own comic. Uh, it, it's interesting to to hear how you know like he'll he'll send you a drawing almost like a like a breakdown type situation. Um, do you find? Do you, do you find that you like that process or do you do you like uh, a little bit more the process of just having a, a general description that you can then uh, put a little bit more of yourself into it? How does that sit with you? It sits fine with me because, I mean, Jim Jim knows – Jim's an art director. He, mm-hmm. he need, Jim already knows what the dimensions of the picture is, where it's going <laughs> to go in the book. Yep. So it's just best that way because that way I can just – I can take the layout – and then I can just do my style and my thing and just make it, you know, make do do add on there. Mm-hmm. As opposed to sometimes with like Skeeter, I don't know if he knew where the stuff was going or not, or he might have, but he didn't give me any dimensions. So I, you just, you know, just draw whatever you want. It doesn't mm-hmm. bother me either way. But mm-hmm. I, as long as they're happy and I'm happy at the same time, it works out great. Yeah, absolutely. It. I know Skeeter would never do this because he's a professional and, and knows what he's doing. But it reminds me of one of the stories that Larry Elmore told me when he was uh, when he was on the show, uh, when he was doing uh, some of those early D and D books, uh, the the editorial staff, which was still kind of figuring it out themselves as far as you know putting together what an RPG book is supposed to look like, uh, they'd give him a uh, just like a a pencil and ink drawing that would be like maybe I don't know this big. Not not a very big piece of art, and say we want like an army sieging a castle in this, and he would have to be like, okay, guys, it's you know it's a little tiny picture, just kind of a throwaway thing to, to stick. I I can't. That's not going to work. And so it's yeah, you just have to be honest with your client and let them know, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's also a learning experience because I feel like working with a client is almost like taking a, a college course. You don't know the relationship you're going to have about how, uh, what they're going to be like and what's, what they're going to be a stickler on or what, you know, how they're going to react to dirt, certain things mm-hmm. until after your first test. And I, I consider that to be like your first piece of art you make for them or, you know, your first job. Like uh, when I was in college, that's what I always dreaded until after the first test after i get the first test done of all the classes i was taking at once because i was working full-time and i was going to school full-time mm-hmm. so out of four classes i knew which ones i didn't have to study that hard for <laughs> and the ones i had to study harder for because of after those tests and the other ones i could just i could you know i could pass by actually paying attention in class and the other ones i would actually have to study the books to pass mm-hmm. and i feel like that's almost like talking to a client like like Jim, Jim would be one of the people you have to study the books for because you know he's already got the dimensions and everything for, for the art to, to be, mm. as opposed to, like Le- working with Levi and Skeeter. I usually, I get to the point where I'm like I'm not drawing stuff itty bitty because it just it's ridiculous and I, so I, I draw stuff on like nine by twelve paper or uh, Bristol board, mm. and that way you can still put in detail that's going to be believable and, and and they're not getting. I, they're getting the most most for their money because I mean, I'd hate to draw something like you were talking about. But Larry Airbo was talking about is like a two three a two inch by three inch thing, and then, but you know, and you fill all that in, it's like you, you lose all the detail and all the 
all the stuff I, uh, what I like to call is selling it, you know, like all the stuff that's like the little rocks on the ground or this, or the, or the stuff scrawled on a table, you know, instead of just having a flat table with nothing on it, you know, the, the little things that make it look lived in the, you know, the, the environments look lived in and real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that you bring up those little details because, um, I mean, I'm not, by any stretch of the imagination, an artist. Uh, if you put a drawing board in front of me, I would not know what to do with it, but I do paint my miniatures. And one thing I found uh, that I get especially proud of with my miniatures are those little tiny details that I stick in there just to make something look a little bit more authentic to its real world, world counterpart. Uh, the best example I can think of is I recently painted a warlock miniature and I had him holding his contract, uh, which I did a little bit of text on the contract, but I also put a bloody handprint where he cut his hand and signed his deal with the devil. And I was very proud of that little tiny detail that you can just barely see in the picture that I took of him and put on Instagram. Right. And that's what I'm talking about when I mean like selling, selling the illustration or selling the thing. Mm-hmm. I can, I always hate when people drop, when you read a comic book and their, their walls, they don't have any trim on the walls or any baseboards or any pictures hanging up or anything. It's just a flat wall with a door, you know, and it's all drawn with a ruler and they don't even have, they don't even have um, the trimming, the trimming around the door mm-hmm. or, in, or the door inset or the hinges and I was like, all that stuff, I think it's, you need to sell, to, like I said, I call it selling the idea. Mm-hmm. And exactly what I was talking, you you, like you said, you the handprint on there and stuff, or, or just the one little thing of brass on there to make the buckle on a, on a, on a belt look real, you know? And mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and for RPG art, uh, that, that kind of stuff is especially important in my opinion, because the art that you find in RPG books is there to serve as inspiration for the game master in the world that they're creating. So if your art can have those things that show, okay, this thing that's in this book, it's not just a stat block. Uh, it It is a thing with a place in this very real world that I have to play in or make my players want to play in. And seeing these kind of details, all these things around, gives me a degree of inspiration or a degree more inspiration for the stories that I'm going to be telling with my friends in this game. Right. Because, I mean, that's what you do in the whole game is you collect items. Mm-hmm. And you want the items to look authentic and have have character to them. Just like your character. You know, there's people that, you know, I don't have. I haven't done it yet, but I mean, there's people that get commissions of just people that draw, you know, of their of their character with all the items that they have and their special or magic items that they've 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 gotten. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I do have to ask this because you know you you've done conventions. I've got friends who you know will have their their art tables at comic book conventions. Uh, so I have to ask. Uh, when it comes to commissions, what's some of the weirdest stuff that just randos at conventions have asked you to draw? Um, 
I've lucked out. I haven't really had that many weird ones. There might be a few times when someone asked me to draw something I've never heard of before, or I, or like, uh, I think one of the coolest things I had to draw was, um, was it Brotherhood? Was it called the Brotherhood of Steel? Was it, is that a, is that from um, Fallout? Yep. Yeah, I had to draw uh, a, a guy, and he wanted he wanted the, his name on his uh, the guy the, the requesting it wanted his name somehow painted on the armor and stuff with like a so I I can't remember his name but I think I used like a the anarchy symbol for the A in his name mm-hmm. and I actually used a, a some like I made it all rusty and just all cool and he he, he really dug that I've done some other I think I've done some Pokemon before mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think I did um was it Max was it Max Rebo the piano player dude and the 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 cantina on Tatooine. I think, the, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've had to draw him before on a, on a, it was a huge piece of paper for all the uh, Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that was me that drew him. Anyway, I, I really haven't had anything really uh, weird. Like you've heard some, I've heard some women say that they came up and they wanted like porno versions of, <laughs> of My Little Pony or something weird like that. <laughs> so I like that. I haven't had that. So me saying that now, which means I'm probably wide open for it, you know, <laughs> the gods have heard now. So watch out for your next con. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. So y- you haven't encountered me, in other words, because I-, I did that to a good friend of mine, also named Ed. Um, when I first met my wife, who is uh, watching right now, she, I, I knew kind of two big things about her, and I wanted to really blow her away with the first Christmas gift that I gave to her. I knew that her favorite superhero was Doctor Strange, and she had this weird obsession with, uh, Alex, or still has a weird obsession with Alexander Hamilton that I still have not wrapped my head around. And yes, I am talking about the first secretary of the treasury founding father of the United States, Alexander Hamilton, the founding father of the the modern banking. Yes. Our whole thing is based on what he created. Mm -hmm. Yep. Brilliant man. Until the, until the, uh, accepting the duel. (laughs) Yes. But what I did was I went to my, I went to my friend Ed and I said, Hey, I'd like to get a commission from you. And it's like, okay, cool. Uh, what do you want? Uh, you want to do color, black and white? How, how you want to do this? And I was like, okay, I, I want it to be color, and this is gonna be a weird request. And he goes, you, you know how many cons I've been to? There's like, there's no way you can come up with a weird request. And I go, all right, I want you to do a picture of Doctor Strange and Baron Mordo fighting each other, but Doctor Strange is Alexander Hamilton. And Baron Mordo is Aaron Burr. And he thinks about it for a second. <laughs> and he goes, that's the weirdest request I've ever had. And I think I can do it. But you you were right. I, I shouldn't have doubted you. <laughs> oh, no, I'd be down with that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I don't know. Sometimes the weird stuff's way more fun than the regular things. I really don't. I really don't get a lot of commissions at cons. Most of the stuff I sell is the stuff that I, already, I show up with and already have made. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So you don't have a lot of people walking up and asking to draw whatever popular anime character it is this season? No, I don't. I mean, one of the coolest things I ever had to draw was um, 
Somebody wanted there was an old cartoon called The Visionaries, mm-hmm. and he wanted the one with the with the gorilla in his chest. And I did that one in watercolor, and that was pretty awesome. But uh, no, I mean, maybe I'm just weird, and so some sometimes <laughs> weird, weird requests aren't that weird because I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds way more fun than drawing uh, Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, and I mean, like, with with your art style and and kind of the the stuff that I've seen from you, I would be more inclined to get something that you'd done one of the one of the robot pictures or that the comic cover that you are currently working on uh, that you just recently posted on Facebook that you shared with me earlier today. Uh, if I saw stuff like that available at your table, that that would be more what I was interested in than seeing if you could draw. Uh, Batman, even though I love yeah. Batman. Yeah, Batman would be born a draw. I don't really <laughs> care. <laughs> yep. Now, Batman as Andrew Jackson? No, no. I've... <laughs> That'd be interesting. <laughs> I have fully exhausted my, uh, my, my quota of historical meets superheroes and and Elfie hates Andrew Jackson so yeah that's we're in Tennessee though so a lot of us hate Andrew Jackson but yeah I mean so far uh, the the work that you've done in RPGs has been super cool Uh, is there anything beyond what you've kind of already done in RPGs that you uh, are interested in doing, excited to do, uh, you know, any kind of ground that you haven't covered uh, with the work you've done that you, like, really want to uh, try to do in, like, future projects? Is there anything like that? Um, I would like to... <clears throat> I would like to eventually get into doing some covers. I mean, I guess I've done covers. But uh, I don't know. Paint. I mean, like painting, mm-hmm. like with acrylic paint. But we'll see. Uh, I'm really enjoying doing um, RPGs. I like it way better than comics. Because one picture I'm drawing, like a giant robot squishing people, or you know, trying to squish uh, tribesmen or whatever. And then the next, the next one I'm drawing a undead, you know, a, a lich king or something. And the next time I'm drawing mutants watching <laughs> adventurers fall into a pit with spikes. And it's I'm not drawing the same character over thousands and thousands of times. I really enjoy doing the RPG work. Um, I would like to, I'd like to do I would like to do some RPG work for some maybe a robot. We get some robot stuff coming up, but a robots and um, I would also wouldn't mind doing some stuff if anyone has anything that's like a, um, like a Road Warrior Mad Max kind of game. Gotcha. I, love Roger Miller's those vehicles to me the vehicles are the are the star of the show and all those costumes and those weirdos and all that that's that's the stuff I love and I love to draw besides robots is just those crazy cars and the mohawks and that 80s kind of diesel punk stuff you know mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and I know that this is uh probably a little bit beyond kind of what you've gotten into so far uh but has there been any thought in your mind that you know once 
you get the chance to start playing games again or something like that, would there ever be any interest in creating something yourself as far as this is Ed Bickford's RPG rather than work for hire? This is like from, from the mind of Ed Bickford comes this game using whatever rule set you enjoy or, uh, you know, a rule set that someone can, can help you create. It's kind of a reversal of the, the model that you've worked with right now where someone comes to you with rules and a setting and asks for art. You would come to them with art and an idea for a world and say, you know, what rules work with this? Um, I don't know. I really like... I'm an art guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when I even when I did uh, when I collected comics, I wouldn't collect anything that, that it could have been the best story in the world. That you know, like Neil, everyone always talked how great Neil Gaiman's Sandman was. Mm-hmm. I never read it because I did not like the art, and I won't. I would not pick up and collect anything where I didn't like the art in the books. Mm-hmm. So I'm always an art guy, and I like to make the art. I mean, I don't know if I would have the the time to make a game. But uh, or if I if my ADHD or anything like that would let me focus long enough to make a game like that. But mm-hmm. I think if I worked with somebody else or something like if maybe if I partner with Jim or or Levi or somebody else that would you know kind of do the writing where I would have to do all the writing and stuff and just be the idea guy. I think mm-hmm. yeah, that'd be kind of neat. But uh, I'm just uh, like I always I always tease my wife and just tell her I don't know anything. I'm not. I'm just the pretty artist. I'm just <laughs> you know. Yeah. It it's something again this literally just like this just occurred to me as we were talking. It's like I said it's kind of a backwards uh view of how RPGs are traditionally created cuz usually it's here's a rule set that someone has created or applied to a certain setting and then they'll go solicit art from uh, freelancers or their friends or stuff like that to to fill the book with to kind of you know give birth to that reality the only the only thing i can think of that's even in that same vein would be something like i think it's tales from the loop uh which is i can't remember it's a Simon Stalinhag's art uh, was kind of an inspiration for a tabletop game, but they didn't work directly with him. So it would it would almost be something like that. But that sounds familiar. Isn't that a movie too or a TV show now? On yeah, there's a TV show on Amazon Prime, but it's all based on uh, this Swedish artist who drew. It's really interesting. I'm sure you've probably seen it on on social media, but it's basically uh, kind of urban and suburban decay, but there's also like rusty, decaying giant robots off in the distance most of the time. Oh, yeah, that's I'm totally down with that. Yeah, there's like uh, I'm drawing a blank. I'm sorry. I just uh. But that sounds very familiar. I think I just discovered him. I think I started following somebody that was posting his art. I, I follow like uh, retro sci-fi and '70s sci-fi stuff on Facebook. But yeah, there's um, I follow one called Gigant. Was it Gigantic Monsters or something? And it's just they just post 
like one will be a giant robot and the next will be like Cthulhu rising out of the ocean. It's just, just like giants and kaiju and stuff like that. But that Tales from the Loop, is that is that a game or is that a comic? Uh, so there is a book called Tales from the Loop. Uh, it is a Amazon Prime TV show. And then there's also a uh, tabletop role-playing game. Okay, I think I watched a I watched a podcast where I think someone mentioned that Tales from the Loop, but I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, I mean the the game itself, um, it's it's that art style also fused with kind of the Stranger Things uh, idea of it's set in the eighties and you're playing as teenagers. Uh, dealing with kind of the aftermath of a huge uh, sci-fi cataclysm, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds totally up my alley. <laughs> Giant robots and post-apocalypse. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Giant Robots... Uh, it's definitely something that I love. I, th- I I mentioned this to you. Two of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, one is the animated movie The Iron Giant. Yeah. Uh, that was a, a big favorite of mine as a kid. Uh, but then the other one uh, that we talked a little bit about uh, is Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow with Jude Law. Uh, yes. Also one of my, my favorite movies of all time. I like the I saw I saw Sky Captain in the theater. Mm-hmm. That was pretty awesome. It reminded me that like when he lands the plane and the plane's floating in the water in the in the swamp. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of when uh, Luke Skywalker lands on Dagobah looking for Yoda. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when they're fighting on that one walkway, they're fighting the 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 rape lady, the the robot yep. that looks like an Asian lady. And that reminds me of the fight on that one on that walkway for Darth Vader and, and him and stuff. Yep. It was it was really cool. Didn't they do that all that stuff on a that was one of the first movies they did everything on a green screen, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that movie came out I think a year before Sin City came out and, and they were both done on a back lot entirely in front of a green screen, lots of CGI, lots of style, uh, but not you know like the the animated qualities looked very intentional and it looked very much like a Max Fleischer cartoon in a lot of ways. I loved the, I loved the robots that they showed mm. in that. It was they were awesome. Yeah, I, that whole that whole aesthetic of those like pulp robots um again mentioning Max Fleischer but the Superman uh cartoons from the 1940s that they would show in in theaters before movies. Uh, those robots are also favorites of mine. I loved uh, Johnny Quest as a kid. Mm-hmm. I still do now. And they had the robots and those the creepy monsters and stuff like that too. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that stuff is is great. But no, as far as I, I'm trying to think of RPG settings that would kind of give you. Uh, a taste of of what you're looking for there uh one that comes to mind is rifts i don't know if you've ever heard of rifts i've heard of it i i I don't i've never played it though Mm -hmm. but i've looked through a lot of rpg books just even when we played D, &D, i would just sit there and just look through the monster manuals and stuff just to look at the art Mm 
mm-hmm. or the DM, you know, or the player's guide, or just just suck in all the art, you know, just oogle all the artwork in those books. Just I loved it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's I mean that's one of the things that really does hook people who aren't into the hobby. If if you can get some really good art in front of them, um, you know, that really gets the imagination going. A lot, a lot of times that's all it takes really is just, um, you know, seeing that image that really kicks into, uh, kicks into gear, the creative process. I know that that's something that, that really has inspired me, uh, just as a creative one thing. And and it's one of the silliest things now that I think back at it, but one, there's this image that was just a screenshot from a video game that I distinctly remember. The video game was Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb. Uh, It came out in like 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. So I was, I was a, eight or nine years old when, when I first saw this image, but it's Indiana Jones in the foreground because the game is perspective behind him. It's a third-person video game. But just in the distance, you see this giant dragon. Oh, cool. And it's it's Indy, and he has this artifact in his hand that's a weapon of some sort. It looks like a a throwing star, shuriken, boomerang type thing. But you see that image of the dragon, you see Indiana Jones standing there, and immediately you're like, okay, I know that thing in his hand is cool or whatever, that's a dragon, it's off in the distance, it's gigantic, like there's there's an asymmetry here. The narrative there, and you're just like, you want to find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that uh, Frank Frazetta does very well. Uh, you see these images, uh, you know, of Conan with the snake, or uh, even the one from even the one that Molly Hatchet used on their album, the, the Death Dealer. Yeah, the Death Dealer. You see these pictures, and you know that you know Frazetta just painted. You know, this is an image uh, using just a couple different figures. There might have been a story there, as there is with some of the Conan stuff. Maybe there wasn't. It was just what was in Frazetta's imagination or what he was commissioned to paint. But the image itself tells its own story contained in that image. And and stuff like that in RPG art, which a lot of RPG art is built upon, that's the kind of stuff that I really love to look at and, and love to see in our, my RPG books. Yeah, I, I love Warhammer 40k art. That's those space marines and all mm. the term, Terminators and all that. That stuff is just awesome. <clears throat> I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be that would be very interesting to see. I you know, obviously Games Workshop has a house style, and that's you know we can talk about that in a little bit. House styles and and stuff like that. Uh, but even just like seeing you do a series of like here, here's Space Marines on Land Raider or something like that, seeing you do the machinery that they have uh, would be super interesting. Yeah, um, I've I've come to realize because at first when I started doing this, I was worried 
about some of the stuff I did because I was, you know, I was, I was thinking in my head that they were hiring me to draw like Frazette or Vallejo. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, we, we, we want you to do you draw, draw the way you would draw mutants or whatever. So once I, once I got that down, it was a lot, it's been a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what about how about the new Dune? Does that now look pretty awesome coming out? Oh my oh, yeah. god, that looks so good. Mm -hmm. Now you're talking about the movie or the RPG? Uh, the movie, the new one with the—I uh, I don't know the kid's name, but it's got like—I uh, can't think of the girl's name. It starts with a Z. Zendaya? Zendaya? Huh? Zendaya? Yeah, her, mm -hmm. and it's got like uh, Dave Batista's in it, mm -hmm. and who else was in it? I thought. Uh, there's a whole bunch of people in Jason that movie. It looks, oh yeah, it looks yeah. awesome. Because mm. I remember, I remember watching the first one when I first watched it. Because I, I put it off forever, and then when I watched it, and when he finally does that, uh, what, what's the one saying they got so they could shoot lasers? Or was it Dima Paul Deeb or whatever he mm -hmm. named himself? And are on those worms and stuff. And I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for that movie. But there's there's also uh, a company called Modithius uh, in England. They they have the uh, the Conan the Barbarian license. They've got uh, currently the Star Trek license for gaming. They're putting out a Dune RPG to kind of coincide with the new movie coming out as well. Huh. Wow. I, I never saw. I, I like the the Schwarzenegger ones. I never saw the one with was it Jason Momoa? Did he play the Conan? Yep, the new one. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that one. I think it's on. It might be on. It might still be on Amazon Prime. I'm not sure. Yeah, I've know. I've seen it. I've seen it on a streaming service. I have not watched that movie myself either. I've kind of been warned away from it. Yeah, it just feels like the newer stuff. I mean, even though they have bigger budgets and they have all the more special effects, it's going to be really hard to beat Conan the Barbarian, the, mm -hmm. you know, with Schwarzenegger and all the the cast and that and how they did all of that. It was just such a great movie. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, one question I have for you, just kind of related to art in RPG books, um, I've recently been thinking a lot about this, and I've had a couple guests bring up stuff like this. When it comes to the big guys, uh, like Games Workshop, like you mentioned, uh, Wizards of the Coast with D&D, &D, they will put out books that have a very uniform style to them. A lot of the art is very similar looking, even if it's different artists uh, kind of rendering it. It all has a very polished, very clean look to it, and it all looks the same. But when you look at kind of private press stuff, uh, you know, OSR stuff, stuff that's coming out on Kickstarter, uh, stuff like Frog God and Levi uh, at Planet X and Skeeter are doing, you've got a mix of different art styles, uh, all that are in the same world but give different images evoke different emotions and kind of, you know, go for different reactions uh, from piece to piece. Uh, so I guess my question in all of that is, have you developed a preference for seeing things look uniform in a book 
or seeing different interpretations on the different things in the world uh, with different artists kind of, you know, taking on the same material. Have you developed a preference for that? Have you thought about any of that? I haven't really thought about it, but I do appreciate if an artist gets to be himself and not have to do a certain house style. Mm-hmm. Like in comics, you have the DC has a house style, and I think Marvel and all them. Although they have a house, and I really don't appreciate that. I'd rather see the artist in their in uh, their personality show out through their art, hmm. and just just their just their different. I don't know. I think uh, Levi and and uh, and Jim and Skeeter and they all think about because they all employ different artists for their books, and they all think about what they like. I can do I can do a clean style and I can also do a, you know a pretty rough style with some brushes and whatnot, and it depends what they want the picture to invoke, like you said, and it's it's or or uh, if you want it to be brutal or gritty, you know, because it's uh, some for some reason you want your your the image to be gritty, and then have another one that's like a clean little palace kind of thing, and have another artist do that because they're you know they have really nice clean lines and and they're really meticulous about everything as opposed to someone that just you know uses a brush and just lets it fly and looks something like ashley wood or something compared to like a jeff darrow and those are comic book people that game people i'm talking about but i'd rather see i'd rather see the artist be themselves and not have to uh be confined into a little box and do something else gotcha gotcha so you'd rather someone get to do something kind of like what uh, Bilson Kevich does with his work? Yeah, I love Bilson Kevich. His stuff is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll... some of his stuff can be a little bit hit or miss for me. It, it really depends on what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. W- when he like he did a daredevil graphic novel and I don't think his art is particularly well suited to the world of daredevil because daredevil's very, uh, very street level, very pulp. Uh, and, and I don't get that from his work, but what I saw him do on like new mutants when he would draw yes. warlock, that, that kind of stuff from Bill Sienkiewicz I really enjoy. And and Demon Bear and all the different cool, crazy things he did in, in the 80s on New Mutants. That kind of stuff uh, from him I really like. But when it comes to like a street-level hero like Daredevil, I don't think he's necessarily the best choice. I can see that. I mean, it's... Uh, like, like he's, he's definitely not a house style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think because Ashley Wood has that kind of style as well, mm-hmm. and uh, he's one of my favorite artists because he he does he does painting and he also uh, I think he for a while there he just let go he didn't do pencils he just did straight inks, hmm. and would and he did he did he did the um, was it called Koanai is it Koanai that did, that published um, Metal Gear Solid, yeah, yeah it's I got I his stuff in that's amazing mm-hmm. love it. And also, I'm also a painter at heart, so anytime I get to see somebody paint, it's always it's always a joy for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, again, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, while we're talking about comic artists, because I find uh, 
sometimes his stuff can be a little bit divisive, but would you consider yourself, even though his style is very clean and very, uh, Norman Rockwell-like, I suppose, would you consider yourself a fan of Alex Ross? When I was younger and not a trained artist, I thought it was pretty awesome, but I was looking at his stuff lately, and it just kind of, uh, it just bores me. Mm-hmm. He, he's got skill, and he's got, you know, he's got met great skill, but it just, it just bores me because he doesn't seem to, uh, he's just painting the same thing over and over, just the, the same, he's got those, was it 1940s, kind of, you know, the strong the strong guy from the from the traveling road show everyone's got that barrel chested look and and i've read uh i think justice i think i read justice was that was it justice that was there was mm-hmm. and i read that it was really good and i mean and the artwork is amazing but he's just still doing the same thing and i like i like pushing myself and i like seeing somebody push and keep keep doing stuff and that's why i think i like Sinkevich because i mean he's never you know you're never gonna Go, oh, he's doing the same stuff as he, he did like 10 years ago because it's going to look completely different now than it was 10 years ago. Hmm. And I just like artists that that push it and keep doing stuff. But there's some people that know their bread and butter and they just, like Alex Ross, I mean, that's his bread and butter he, to do that stuff. But it just, after a while, it just bores me. Kind of like kind of like music. I don't ever want to hear Tom Sawyer again by Rush again ever again. I've heard it so many times on the radio, it's not fun, you know? Now, working man, I'll listen to that all the time. <laughs> I've actually, I've got, I'll leave, I have that album. I have the cassette. pictures. <laughs> I'm a huge Rush fan. But I just don't want to hear, I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about, Tom, about them. I just don't want to hear Tom Sawyer ever again, because yeah. I've heard it so many times. Yeah, I mean, well, Again, and I think I'm, I feel like the same way about Alex Ross. When mm-hmm. I see his art now, I'm like, yeah, I've, I've already, I've already heard that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a huge Rush fan. They, there's all kinds of craziness even beyond Tom Sawyer. But I, even as a huge Rush fan, I will grant you that 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 one particular song of theirs, which is not the best song on that album, the best song oh. on that album is Limelight. I, yeah, uh, that's good. I like YYZ too. Yeah, but but yes, that that is the one that everyone's kind of latched onto. And as excited as I get when I hear the keyboard and the the drums and the intro, I I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear uh, anything from Led Zeppelin four anymore. <laughs> I've heard that so many times. Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe no. I, I would take. I don't want to hear Black Dog ever again. That's that's one song. Mm-hmm. I, I like Misty Mountain Hop. I could listen to that. It's a good song. But like Black Dog, I'm like, oh, please don't play that again. Mm-hmm. There was a radio station. Uh, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and there was a radio station there that, for some reason, uh, they they played the hell out of Fool in the Rain. Like, all the time. And I don't like that song at all. Who's that by? Led Zeppelin. It's one of their, like, weird folky songs. From kind of their their late career. I I really don't like that song. (laughs) I I don't know. I I don't recall it. 
Mm-hmm. I was thinking more of a, uh, sounds like something like from uh, White Snake or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I remember when I was a kid growing up that uh, got tired of hearing Who Could It Be Now by um, <laughs> Men at Work mm-hmm. because I've heard it so many times on the radio, but now I, I kind of like, I'm glad to hear it. It's, it's still a good song. I think it's, but there's some certain songs you just don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I had one of those and I can't think of the name of this song because even though I'm 25, my like knowledge and appreciation of music stops right around the year I was born, which is really weird for me to say, but that's just, you know, what I'm into. I like stuff from pretty much the, the 1950s up through uh, the 90s. But there are songs that we'll just hear constantly at the grocery store. And I'll look at my wife and be like, I hate this song. And she won't yeah. even notice that it's there because we just hear it so often. I'm just like, no, I really hate this song. I cannot, I cannot tolerate this noise anymore. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, as far as Alex Ross goes, there are two things that I really value his artwork for. One of them is I think he's great on covers. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he, he's great at getting someone to pick up a comic book because, you know, they, they see a beautiful picture of a superhero that looks oh, heroic. He's a watercolors. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's all watercolor. So. Mm-hmm. But all of this stuff, you know, looks superheroic and stuff like that. So it, it's eye-catching. And then I also think he's really good at showing in his own kind of like 1940s, 1950s aesthetic way what some some of these superheroics would look like in a semi-real world and what it would look like if there was actually a big dude in a bat suit standing on a street with real people. And so in, in the way that he's kind of like a, a concept artist, I like. Uh, but as an interior storyteller artist, I mean, Marvel's is good. It's over on my shelf. But I, I can definitely see how it would be boring because even Marvel's feels like a photo album rather than a comic book. Right. And really... Like you said, what that gets down to is, you know, it's a it's a beautiful picture, uh, but there needs to be something that makes the world feel real and engaging, and a single image needs to be able to tell a story in and of itself. Uh, and because, you know, Jim mentioned this, uh, the covered Scientific Barbarian number three was the inspiration for the... Uh, adventure that he wrote within it so that's something that i really feel like you are very very good at doing with your artwork oh thank you yeah uh, so you saw a sign that's uh that's me on the scientific barbarian three mm-hmm. absolutely <clears throat> yeah the yeah. the picture of the robot it. holding up the the k yeah i love mm-hmm. that stuff i love it yeah it's uh it's got that old kind of old school kind of melodrama kind of thing going on there and uh and that's that's the one thing I don't like. I mean, Alex Ross was cool because when he first did it, 
he went back in time and he kind of took all the bells and whistles off the all off all the costumes and stuff and made them look like they were you know you know actually there in the forties. But that was cool because it was a contrast of what was actually out then. And now yeah. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that's it's just blah. And you need to have something that's like I don't know that catches people's eyes and the details and something that's awesome where someone's like oh wow I mean. Look at the Space Marines, you know, going back to that. Look at all the details and everything on all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine if somebody goes, what if they made it in the 1940s and they took all the cool stuff off and just made it plain? And it looked like the Iron Man from the first movie, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that would, at first, that would be seem kind of neat because of the contrast. But then after 20 years of that look at Iron Man looking dude, you're like, nah, you know, maybe it's time to time to pump it up a little bit. Put, put some detail, put some design into it, you know, some really, and I think that's one of the things you need is, uh, as also is uh, just a, a good sense of design for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I mean, for anyone who's friends with you on Facebook or has seen kind of the, the images that you've posted so far, uh, the, the variant cover for that comic that's coming to Kickstarter uh, that you shared with me today uh, I I've been thinking about that piece of art all day, and that's not hyperbole. When you when you showed that to me, I was like, oh oh god, and yeah. again, just the for anyone who hasn't seen it, it you've got two spacemen basically, or a spaceman and a space woman mm-hmm. taking cover behind a mountain with their laser guns ready. There's a, a planet kind of off in the distance. Everything's in uh, like. D- darker yellows and, and burnt oranges like a sunset and there's spaceship off in the distance and a, like a gang of aliens with uh, their own laser weapons looks like they're coming right around the corner and there's uh, panic in the faces of the the space troopers as they figure out you know what to do with these things coming and, and again it's it's an image, it's a story in and of itself, and it makes the imagination go, how did they get here? What's going to happen next? What happens when they turn the corner? Who's going to see who first? There's tension, there's atmosphere, there's drama. And that's really what kind of makes captivating art, both for comics, comic covers, and for RPGs. Exactly. Cool. If I ever, uh, yeah, I like to go to uh, Pinterest and look at all those old covers for sci-fi and pulp and all that. They there's there's an endless amount there for anyone to get inspired by stuff or just for a layout or a design or even for fonts for if you want your stuff to look old. And I do a lot of research on all the old stuff out there. And now and then, you'll be months or so now and I'll just, I'll just pop in on Pinterest and see what's new and check out a few new things. Um, for all that, I was trying to keep up and I had a, I had a Bill Sienkiewicz, uh board and um, I had a uh, Juan Jimenez board, a Jimenez board, which I love Juan Jimenez. And I have like a Kobe Whitmore and my favorite artist is uh, Robert McGinnis. If you know who that is. Let's see. I, I don't, no, if I've... Have you ever seen any of the old James Bond movie posters? Yes. He did those. Gotcha. It was either him or Robert McGuire did them, but m- most of the ones I'm talking about is McGinnis. Mm-hmm. McGinnis did a lot of pulp covers as well. 
he's my favorite. But and then that, that's another thing that got me into it is because uh, I just remember all that art. I was like, how come no one ever makes comics to look like this? And once you start making the art, I'm like, I know why, because it would take forever to yep. do 30 pages of art to look like this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just I just go on there and just, you know, just just oogle all that beautiful artwork and paintings and stuff for sci-fi and i think there was one at defcon was it defcon 4 or something like that and i remember i had that book and i loved it i didn't even read the book i just lugged it around in my in my, uh, in my book bag for, for like a week or two you know from checked it out from the library at school and i just lugged it around because i liked the cover i didn't even read the book i just would sit there and stare at the cover <laughs> And I didn't even read the book with all the John Berkey stuff in it. I just would flip through it and look at all the, the sci-fi artwork inside of it. It was it was amazing. I should find that book and get it from Amazon. That's what I should do. Yeah, now now I'm looking at all this Robert McGinnis, James Bond art. Because, again, I'm a huge Bond fan. So paying, paying closer attention to some of this stuff. Uh, the Like the From Russia With Love poster. I like the one where he's in the hot tub with all the women. Mm-hmm. The, just the, the skin tones and how it's all laid out. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, uh, You Only Live Twice. That's the one. Yeah. Cool. Well, Ed, this has been a great conversation talking a lot about, you know, art and what it brings out of us and, and how it applies to role-playing games. So thank you for uh, for coming on the show tonight and uh, talking through some of that stuff with me. What I like to do at the end of the show is give uh, every guest the chance to, you know, plug anything they want to plug, promote anything coming up. So... Uh, you know, social media, obviously, any projects you have coming up that you want to talk about, uh, the floor is yours. Go for it. And uh, everyone listen to what Ed has to say here. I think we have, is it, I think we have, do we have one more day of Phylactery 3 on Kickstarter? Let me take a look here. Or is that over? I can I can never keep up with everything because I have more than one book and one I think at the beginning of the month, I had three books on Kickstarter that I worked on. <laughs> yeah, so we but, uh, are in, we're kind of in the last day of Phylactery 3. Yeah, that's what I thought. So th- that's still on Kickstarter. And uh, I think Scientific Barbarian just ended last week, didn't it? Yep. Yeah. So I think we just have Phylactery for now. Uh, Levi and I, uh, I work with planet x games all the time and levi and i have a he showed me a list of the stuff he has planned so you'll definitely see us working together a lot <laughs> and uh skeeter's already reached out to me for stuff again and, and i know jim jim's already mentioned some stuff and then i keep on each time i do a book there's someone else always messaged me on facebook asking me is like hey would you draw something for my book too i'm like sure so i have uh i have quite a few people i'm just waiting you know, just waiting to hear back from them whenever they they uh, figure out what they want or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm a I'm a Edwin Bickford on Twitter, and I think I'm this. Is it the same thing on Instagram? I think on Instagram you are at Metal Robot. Okay, yeah, I'm at Metal Robot at Instagram, and then uh, I'm just Ed Bickford on uh, Facebook, and I think 
I think I changed it to Edwin B. Bickford the third on LinkedIn, which I don't know. I, I don't get LinkedIn, <laughs> but I just started getting back on Twitter to post stuff. Which after this, I probably post that picture of uh, the cover I've been working on. <laughs> but I'll have I uh, I plan on doing a lot more books, and I think I just heard from Casey, uh, like last week, and I guess. Um, I guess they're they're uh, since COVID's starting, we're I think we're starting to come out of the woods. It sounds like, so they might be the projects will start picking up again soon, and you know people are going to start getting work again soon too. So, I plan uh, I, I I see a busy future for me, mm -hmm. and uh, RPGs, and I'm probably not going to do. Uh, I, I have a, I have one comic I have to finish, and after that, it's uh, I don't know if I'm going to do anything or not. Gotcha. And uh, I, I really know, appreciate having me on here. Oh, no, no <laughs> problem at all. And I know uh, the the campaign is already wrapped, but it'll be delivering at some point this month, so I'll have more of your work to look at in Glimmering Kip, Crypt of the Ion King. Uh, I don't remember if I... I don't know if I did anything for that or not. I can't remember. Your, your name is back. on the Kickstarter page, so if you didn't do anything for that, uh, you might want to have I, a conversation with Levi. <laughs> What now? Uh, your name's on the the Kickstarter page as far as contributing artists for Glimmer. Yeah, he's gonna be mad at me. <laughs> Levi's gonna give me. He's gonna he's gonna harass me because I don't remember the art I did for it. <laughs> Sorry, Levi. <laughs> Sounds like in Texas I'll be refereeing a fight on the con floor. Maybe, maybe. All right, well, Ed, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's It's been great talking to you. And, uh, yeah, as far as what's coming up this week, guys, uh, this Saturday, I finally have the missing piece. I've got my capture card here. Uh, so we can finally do an actual painting stream that does not involve my camera freezing. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. That's going to be fun. Uh, we'll be painting this uh, this big dragon that I have behind me. If I can move my melon head out of the way. That dragon sitting on the table over there will Ooh. be uh, done in the style of Brahm uh, as Ooh, Boris nice. of Tear from Dark Sun. So that'll be a ton of fun. And the next week I will be going through uh, the one shot that I am preparing for North Texas RPG Con to be run in Savage Worlds. Uh, we'll be talking a lot about that, some of my ideas behind that, and what I am looking to accomplish with that particular adventure. Uh, so until then, guys, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I will see you next time.